0: Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined us on this 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time. You know, unless you know the scriptures well, you're going to miss the important reference that Jesus is making to the number of times that we have to forgive. And you know, we hear this, you know, Peter says, Jesus, do we have to forgive seven times? And Jesus says, no, 77 times. Well, I mean, is Jesus just giving kind of like a cute exponential of Peter's number? Actually, it's much more than that. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament to the very beginning. So way back in Genesis, we've got the story of Cain and Abel. And we all kind of know the story, right? Cain, in his jealousy, kills his brother, and then is forced to wander the earth with a mark on his forehead. And Cain despairs when he hears the sentence, and he says that, oh, no, people are going to know who I am and, and what I did, and that they would kill him for it. But God says, no, no, Cain, you will not die. And if anyone tries to kill you, God will avenge him sevenfold. Okay, so Cain has many sons and daughters, and one great grandson was a particularly wicked man named Lamech. And Lamech said to his wives one time, He said, If anyone harms me, I will avenge him, not sevenfold, but seventy seven times. So instead of allowing God to give out justice, Lamech takes it into his own hands, and he does so much more harshly than even God's justice. So when Jesus tells Peter to forgive seventy seven times, The Lord is referencing that story of Lamech and he's saying, no, look, it's not up to man to exact vengeance like Lamech wanted to do. Rather, we forgive because in the end, it is God who will judge justly and rightly, not us. But wait, there's more. So if you've ever read different translations of this, you may notice that sometimes it says Jesus responded, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. Okay, that's 490 times. Like, Is that just a bad translation? No, actually, the Greek is very vague about which one is accurate because 490 is also hugely important. So once again, go back to the Old Testament. So Israel had fallen into sin time and time again, and their biggest sin was idolatry. They worshiped the Canaanite god Baal and his female counterpart Ashtaroth. And even after God called them back to fidelity to the covenant time and time again through prophets and chastisements, they still continued to stray. So in order to correct his wayward people and to purge idolatry from their midst, once and for all, God allowed them to be taken into exile in Babylon. So the Israelites wanted to adopt the gods of the surrounding nations. So God said, all right, you want to be like the other peoples? Go and live amongst the other peoples. And it really kind of woke them up and made them realize that they were the chosen people who were meant to have an exclusive relationship with the true God. But the people, so the people cried out to God for mercy when they kind of awoke from their stupor and realized the sin that they had committed. But as the years dragged on, they kind of wondered if they'd ever make it back home to the promised land. So the prophet Daniel asked the Lord for wisdom. When would this exile end? And God spoke to Daniel and told him that 70 years would pass until they returned home, but the sin would not be purged until 70 times seven years. In other words, 490 years. And after that 490-year time period, the exile would be over, and God would send the Messiah to make reconciliation for sins, not just the sins of Israel, but the sins of the whole world. And we know historically that it was about 490 years from the time of the exile until the time of the coming of Christ. So when Jesus says we have to forgive 70 times 7, he's referencing the prophecy of Daniel and saying that we all have to forgive like God forgives— Since God has mercy on all of the sins of the whole world. And I think there's the important crux of today's gospel and the whole of the Christian life is that it really is all about what we have already been forgiven for. Yes, we should forgive one another, but that's only first because we recognize that we have been forgiven. The very entire purpose of Jesus' life and ministry, his death and resurrection, was to forgive our sins and to bring us into union with God. And I think modern-day Americans don't often get this because we think our sins are small, they're not a big deal. I mean, certainly at at my church, we don't generally have drug dealers and gang members. So yeah, but that doesn't mean that we're blameless. In fact, God says through the prophet Isaiah that all of our good deeds are like polluted rags. So as good as we think we are, none of us are perfect. It's not so much what we do, but who we offend. So consider this. If God is our all-holy creator, the Lord of the universe, the maker and lover of our souls, then in justice, we owe him our complete adoration, our complete love, and our complete obedience. And so even small sins, which are small disobediences to him, violate what we owe God as our creatures. There's this one time that St. Padre Pio was praying in the chapel late at night when he saw a Franciscan brother sweeping the church. And he didn't recognize the sweeping friar. So Padre Pio came up to him and said, Who are you? It's late. You should be getting to bed. And the friar responded, Yes, you know, I used to be assigned to this monastery, and my task was to take care of the church. But I would frequently pass by the tabernacle without genuflecting or any sign of reverence. And so for this reason, I am a soul in purgatory, and I ask for your prayers. With that, he literally vanished into thin air. Padre Pio was pretty shaken, but the next day he said Mass for that friar's soul, and so brought that soul to heaven. That even that small sin had to be atoned for. I mean, God really does have a right to our complete love and adoration. He is our creator. And so when we sin, we deprive him of that right. When we sin, even small sins like gossip or gluttony or holding a grudge, we corrupt that image of Christ that has been forged forged in our souls at baptism, that has been purchased by the blood of the lamb. And so Jesus says in the gospels that we're going to have to give an account of even every frivolous word that we have spoken. So our sins need to be dealt with, even the small ones, because there is no small sin. Our sins cost, and someone had to pay that cost. But we could never repay the all-holy God with our paltry acts of repentance. So we needed a Savior. We needed someone that could pay back the debt that we owed God. And that paying back of that debt was what Christ did on the cross. You know, we could never act, even today, we can never offer God an act of perfect love. So Jesus did it instead on our behalf, on the cross, in the name of all humanity. And the Father accepted that perfect sacrifice, which reconciled God and and the human race. And so therefore, we have already been judged and acquitted of our sins because Christ paid the penalty for them. And so when we consider this cross, this huge debt that we have been forgiven of, and how much it cost, then how can we withhold forgiveness from our neighbor Jesus, the only perfect one among all of history, could say, Father, forgive them to the very ones who are drilling nails into his hands. How could we not forgive our brothers and sisters who are doing far less to us? If you're struggling to forgive, I urge you to look upon the cross and you will see what price was purchased for your forgiveness. And it'll help our hearts to realize that if he can forgive us for what we have done to him, then we can forgive others for what they've done to us. You know, in the 1300s, there was a young Italian woman named Rita who was forced into an arranged marriage with a mafia boss. His name was Paolo Mancini from that region. And the mobster husband made a number of enemies, and their marriage was constantly tense as his family was locked in this unending feud with a rival mob family. Finally, one day, the feud kind of reached its climax, and Paolo was murdered by rival mobsters, causing great grief to his family. But Rita who was a very holy woman with heroic courage, publicly forgave the murderers at her father's her husband's funeral. Nevertheless, Rita's two sons vowed vengeance. They promised that they would avenge their father's death. But Rita just kept begging them to forgive, but they totally refused to listen. So Rita instead turned to the Lord and begged that Jesus would do anything necessary for them to avoid revenge. Just as the elder son was preparing to go off to exact revenge, He came down with a very strange illness, very severe, and it prevented him from leaving. The younger son then said, all right, well, it's my turn. I got to take up the mantle. But as he was preparing to leave, he got struck with this mysterious illness, which caused him so much pain that he was unable to leave the house. And so both young men, through this strange and mysterious and severe illness, realized the error of their ways. So they made a good confession and they passed away from their illness, but they passed away in the state of grace. Rita although she was saddened, of course, was eternally grateful to the Lord for preserving her sons from revenge. And we know her as St. Rita of Kasia, whose mission to forgive cost a great deal, but it brought peace to her entire family. My friends, if you struggle to forgive, look at the cross. How could we remain unforgiving when he is the price of our forgiveness?